All right. We're taking all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This is the 8020 Baseball Podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome, coaches, to episode 130, our weekly get-together. Always great to be here with you. Always a good time. This week, we are going to get into a series. We're going to start a series. This is going to be a three-part series as it's penciled and scheduled out right now. It's going to be a three-part series about choosing, selecting, and optimizing the use of private coaches, one-on-one coaching for your son, daughter, or for your players on your team. We're going to get into that, but before we do, I would like to give a big shout out to all you Canadian listeners. We got a lot of Canadian listeners here. Ontario, British Columbia, Quebec, Alberta, Nova Scotia, Manitoba, New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, Prince Edward Island. I want to go play baseball on Prince Edward Island. I bet they got some beautiful fields out there all through Canada. Canada is such a beautiful place. When I was younger, as many of you know that have listened to this, I've shared out that I've spent my summers in Butte, Montana. And when one of the summers after we stayed up there for when I say summers, I mean, we would be up there for five, six, seven, eight weeks. We'd pretty much be up there the entire summer staying at grandma's house in the basement. Great time. They had a minor league baseball field, uh, the Butte Copper King, Cecil Fielder, Julio Franco, to name a few that played there. It was It was the Texas Rangers for, for the most part. And then there were some other teams that came through. There was rookie ball, minor league baseball, and it literally was a 10 minute walk from my grandma's house. It couldn't have been better. And in Montana, Montana, like most of you know, especially up in Canada, in the summertime, that sun is staying out late. So it was always just beautiful evenings. And one summer after we were done staying at grandma's house, my mom says, hey, let's leave a little early. Let's leave three or four days early and let's head up through Canada. Let's just go up and take a drive through Glacier National Park, which becomes, I believe, Waterloo National Park when it's in Canada. And then we went across. Now, it wasn't Toronto, Quebec. It wasn't over there. Of course, this is a kind of a long way. I know Canada is a big country spread out. But we went through that southwest tip and we went through the city of Hope. So a lot of you listening probably you know, have heard of that. It's a small town, but just it was some of the most picturesque area that you could ever envision. Just It was just so beautiful. There were fruit stands along the side of the road. There wasn't any traffic. It was just beautiful and green, beautiful mountains, water everywhere, lakes. Just beautiful. So all you Canadian listeners, I know baseball is big in Canada. In fact, I played with a few Canadian baseball players when I was in the minor leagues. I know it's a big thing up there, and there's quite a few Canadians in the major leagues and in professional baseball as we speak. And the cool thing about baseball is it's a universal game. It's played the same way. If you watch a Japanese league, I think it's the Nippon Baseball League. If you watch that league play or a game over in Australia or a game in Canada, you're going to see or in Puerto Rico where I was recently at a wedding, you're going to see a very similar game. In terms of rules and everything, it's almost identical, right? In most places, the field looks the same. It's really cool that we all share this wonderful game of baseball. If you didn't catch it last week, episode 129, we talked about a simple and effective post-pitching routine. I shared out a few strategies, a few things that could be used to help post-pitching performances, recovery, some stuff that was simple that could be done on the field, shared out some thoughts on icing and things like that. 
Go back if you haven't and listen to episode 129. Most of you have. Also, we talked about two red flags, two red flags for hitting approaches. When we see these two red flags, we know our hitting approach from our hitters, from our players, from our kids is not dialed in. And when I say that, if we see a pattern of it, if it's a one-off, you know I'm a big believer in not correcting one-off mistakes. But if you see a pattern of these mistakes, these are red flags that the hitting approach, the hitting plan is not dialed in. All right, choosing and selecting a private coach, hitting, pitching, catching, and infield coach. I did this for years and years. I would do this when I was putting myself through my master's program and I was getting my teaching credential. I would go out and do this on Saturdays during the week. In fact, it's what got me into the youth baseball game because eventually I started consulting and working with youth baseball teams. I just really fell in love with the dynamic of a team dynamic, helping coaches, then helping more kids that way. But there is a definite fit in the baseball community for the one-on-one coaching, for going and getting another coach to help a second set of eyes, a second opinion. I know this is not accessible by everybody. I I understand that. One-on-one coaching, one-on-one pitching lessons, one-on-one hitting lessons, or even small group catching or infield lessons, these aren't always cheap, and I understand that. I've recommended to many coaches that have a lot of knowledge to share, I've recommended that they do group lessons for them to make as much income as they were making before doing the one-on-one lessons because they have families to feed, they have rent to pay, mortgages to pay, But I mentioned to them, or I recommended to young coaches that were starting to do lessons, I said, hey, try to do some group lessons, small group lessons. I think small group was great because they could charge, say, the same rate, but they could spread the cost out amongst different group of players. And and that's something I want to get into today. I recommend reaching out to a local coach if you do find one, and we'll talk about how to choose one here in a second, or, or a tip or a strategy to choosing or selecting or finding a private coach, a hitting coach, a pitching, a catching, an infield coach, et cetera, for these small you know, one-on-one. And what I'm going to share out is actually the small group approach. I highly recommend for most of you, unless writing a check doesn't matter to you and money is no object, then the one-on-one situation would probably be a great fit. But for the rest of us, it's really a good idea. And it's not just a money thing. It's also an enjoyment thing for the player to be out there with one of their peers or a small group of their peers. When I say small group, like four players, I like the even number because the even number can create pairs and partners for drills. I like two or four. I think getting out there with a small group of four and maybe extending the lesson from 30 minutes. We'll talk about length of lesson and things like that in the next couple episodes. My goal is for you to have a crystal clear idea of how to get the most out of small group or individual private lessons. I'm going to share with you behind the scenes. I'm going to share with you tips moving forward for you to pick, to find, and to utilize, and not just pick and find the best options for you, how to be resourceful if you're in an area there aren't as many of these options, and also how to get the most out of it when you're out there for your son, daughter, etc. So I'm a big fan of setting up group lessons. Now, these may be options that are offered in your area. There may already be a coach or coaches that are high quality, that are getting consistent results. And we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. There may already be these coaches out there doing these small group lessons. If not, and you have somebody in mind that you know in your area that's doing these, talk to them about doing a small group. Now you as the parent, the coach will have to probably get the group of kids, players together and bring them and kind of organize that a little bit, but that's okay. And this really helps 
on the budgeting, but also the enjoyment. So like I said, having some peers out there to play with, some partners, they can do a few more mini drill, mini games together rather than just one-on-one with an adult. Like that's not as much fun, I think, as we might think. I don't know. Depends on how you, you know how you view it already, but I think a kid and an adult that maybe they don't really know that well working together is not going to be as much fun as them being out there with that adult, that coach, that expert, along with a peer or a small group of peers. Like I said, up to about four, I recommend. But if the going rate is 50 to $75, say an hour or a lesson could be a 30 minute lesson for 30 or $40, if you can get four kids out there and do it for an hour, if you can get four kids out there and do it for an hour, so now that rate, that hourly rate, let's just say a nice even round number of $50 hourly rate. It varies everywhere and different coaches charge different things and different facilities charge different things. But let's just say you have a coach that does a $50 an hour rate. Well, now you get four players out there and you might have to pay the coach a little more, but let's say it's $60. So now they make $60 an hour. So let's say round numbers. Each kid is obviously only, if you have four, is obviously only putting in 15. Each parent is putting in $15 instead of that original 50. So the cost effectiveness can be great. Now, is the one-on-one coaching going to be the same? No, of course not. Inherently, it won't be. But do they need an hour straight of one-on-one or could it be just as beneficial to have five, 10 minutes of individualized instruction that's each kid gets along with quality reps within a small mini type of drill environment where they're repping together and getting the quantity of reps up together. This is definitely a trade-off. It's definitely a trade-off. Everything in life is a trade-off. I definitely think that if you can afford the one-on-one instruction with the New York Yankees hitting coach and you can get that once a week, they'll come over to your house and do it. You can write a $200 check Okay, do it. But I understand that is a small, tiny, tiny fraction of people out there. And I'm just a big fan of getting those like two. So a lot of you have two kids. Maybe they're close in age. You can get two together or a friend that comes along. Have two players go out there. What I recommend is if you group the lesson up and you do these pair off, if you have two players that you know or four, if you go out there as a group or as a pair to extend the lesson out. So if they typically do a 30-minute lesson, do a 45-minute lesson with the coach. And they will, the coach will make as much money as they would have before, if not a little bit more, and the cost will be spread out. But it'll allow that extra time of individual instruction. Inherently, it's going to get spread a little thinner because the numbers, if you go from one player to two player to four players. So extend the lesson if they do a 30-minute, maybe go 45 if they for four players i definitely recommend doing an hour lesson right around an hour i like that four player per hour mark in most situations that works well next week we're going to talk about also how to maximize actually how to get more out of the hour how to turn a one hour lesson into an hour and 15 an hour and 20 minute lesson or essentially what i should say is how to turn a 45 minute or a 50 minute lesson into the full hour lesson i'm going to share that tip out next week this is this is a good one for everybody This is going to help every single one of you. So you don't want to miss out next week's episode where I share that out. So to encapsulate this, to summarize it all up, it can be very advantageous and very beneficial economically to group or pair players, your kid with another kid, or maybe your family, if you have siblings, pair them up. So when you go out there and you get that instruction from a local coach, who's more of an expert, a little more advanced than what you might find, you know, on your youth teams and things like that, it can definitely help that first off the budget go a lot further and allow that extra instruction and also enjoyment. It's fun. I've done thousands of lessons. I've done the individual lessons. I actually did individual lessons for years. And then I transitioned to small group. The reason I transitioned to small group didn't have anything to do at first with money or 
saving money for the parents or making more money. It was really actually to create a better environment because as I was getting older, I just couldn't go as fast and as much. I couldn't do, I couldn't be like the first baseman catching the ball. I couldn't be the catcher. I couldn't be the, couldn't coach while they were warming up. I was warming up players as a pitching coach and I was on one end and we get extended out with a little bit more of a long toss. It was hard to instruct them from a hundred feet away. So I started thinking, well, if I could have somebody come in, I can charge them less. I can, you know, I can do this. I can set up more effective type of environment with more players. I definitely didn't want to bring a whole team in, then that would defeat the purpose of that individualized instruction uptick that you're you're going to get from these lessons. The purpose is to get more one-on-one coaching, and that worked out very well. And then I started going with the small groups of four because I was working in areas where the coaches, the parents, I should say, the, the moms and dads just didn't have the money to get the lessons, but they really wanted to get these lessons from high-quality coaches. So I started doing groups of four. And if I had a player or a parent, I should say, that wanted that little extra bit, maybe they had a little bit more money, they would stay after for an additional 15 minutes to 30 minutes, pay extra, but they were already there. I was already there. I would just put them on the backside and they would stick around for some more individualized, maybe some video instruction, video analysis. And we're going to get into that, how to maximize these lessons from the parent perspective in a couple of weeks. So it's a great thing if you can do that. I, I really recommend that. I think the trade-off, the, the financial trade-off with the development of the players, I think it's more than worth it when you have two. When you get to four, just make sure that if you ha- the coach is organized and plans it out well and, and whatnot. And uh, if you're going to go with groups of four, you got to go with a high qu- a coach that understands the dynamic of a group rather than somebody who only really understands one-on-one lessons. And there's a difference. The pairing, pairing off, doing two players is pretty easy for any coach to slide into. Any coach that's been doing one-on-one lessons, it's real easy for them to slide in with the same mindset. When you get to the four, it takes a little bit more strategy, so you got to keep an eye on that. So I think this tip is really shared out to maximize your, your investment, maximize the, the money that you're putting in and, and your budget, and also still get quality results more so than in a group environment, a team environment, I should say a large team, like a large group, a team environment of 10, 12, 14 players. Now choosing that or selecting that private coach, that hitting coach, that pitching coach, the catching coach, the infield coach, et cetera, did have a kid who would come out and do a 90 minute lesson with me and we would do 30 minutes of each. We would do 30 minutes of pitching, then we do 30 minutes of hitting, and then we do 30 minutes of catching. Sometimes we do 30 minutes of catching, then pitching, then hitting, and kind of mix it up. But he would do 30 minutes of each. He would come out once a month. So his parents, instead of having him come out like once a week or twice a week, would come out once a month. And so that's how they they were able to afford that. But that's how we did that. And it, and it worked out pretty cool. And they thought, well, we're already out to the field. Let's maximize it. And we do all three of those together. Nevertheless, look around at the results that the coach is getting. Before you pick a coach, you can test it out. You can try it out. Here's the thing. Great coaching will take a little bit of time to work. It'll take a little bit of time for the results to show up. Sometimes it'll happen right away in certain areas, like maybe a slight swing adjustment or things like that. But just like anything in life, the results aren't going to happen overnight. Overnight success just doesn't really just doesn't really exist, right? With that said, it's a little hard to test out a coach for two months or three months, which is a decent sample size. If you're already invested a lot of them, you could be in hundreds of hundreds of dollars invested to find out that the results aren't there. Or maybe there's a good connection with the kid and the coach, but the coach is not getting the kid better. So you want both parts. You want a connection with the coach. You want a coach that relates to the kid, that makes it fun, but also gets results. 
So you want both. And to expedite this process, I highly recommend being a little slow to pick a coach to go into the private hitting, pitching, catching coach or, or up to them and ask them for their their service, their help, their assistance. And I recommend looking around, doing some homework if you can in your area and see, or maybe you already have noticed the kids that go to a certain coach that are getting a much better result or more importantly, they are improving or have improved a lot or more than the average player in your area. So take a look around. You want to see the coach that one, the parents say he's great with the kids. He's great with the kids. The kids have fun with them. Oh yeah, yeah, Coach Bo. Oh yeah, Coach Steve. I love going to Coach Steve. That's what you want to hear. And you also want to see the results. Look at the players in your area that go to a certain coach and just pay closer attention to them and watch their progress. And it doesn't mean you don't need to watch it throughout the season, but watch their progress. Or maybe you have seen, you can look back and go, oh, I remember those three or four players were going to this coach to get help. And I remember the big difference that made or the huge leap in skill and ability that they made from last year to this year. That might be a starting point. That doesn't guarantee that that's the best coach to go get lessons from, but it's a good place to start. Do they have a good reputation in terms of how they are with the kids? Do they relate with the kids? Do they have fun? Do they make it fun? And also, do they get the results? And I think a really good way to do that is to look around your area, look around the league and see the results in action. See the results in the game environment. Do not just go to the coach that has the best title. Don't just go with the coach that's giving the private lessons with the biggest title. I'm not saying you shouldn't go with the coach that has the most attractive title, ex-major league player, local high school hall of fame coach. I'm not saying you shouldn't go with those with that option. What I'm saying is that should not be the only prerequisite for you selecting. That should not be the number, first off, it should not be the number one factor. In fact, the other two are are ahead of that, the two I just mentioned. Do they make it enjoyable? I have seen ex-major league players give lessons and the kids have no fun. The the ex-players aren't into it at all. It's just not, they're not having a good time. They're not coaches. They're just writing their name and writing their fame and trying to make a buck on it and charging 75 bucks, 100 bucks an hour. And they're not good. And I've seen some kids that are fresh out of college that are 23 that went to some junior college, junior college into an NAIA school who not only don't have a familiar name, they didn't even go to familiar schools, yet they are getting good quality, consistent results across all of their players. So like I've shared out about picking players, don't fall for the talentees. When you're picking coaches, one-on-one instruction, or even coaches for your kid to play for on a team, most of you are coaching the team or involved with that. But if you're picking out a coach, don't just go with the resume tease. Don't fall for that resume tease. I'm a big fan of results. And at the end of the day, I think we should all be bigger fans of results and not the resume. Can those go hand in hand? Of course they can, of course. But you want to pick a coach that's going to relate to your player, relate to your players, and does get results and has a track record of getting players better. Careful assessing a coach's success by how great his players do in games. So you might think, oh, well, Coach A or Coach B He works with these kids over here. He works with these six kids. And when I see him out there on the field for the various teams, they're all doing really well. They may have already been really good players. They may have already, and in a lot of times, they already were better than the average, better than the norm. What you're looking for is increased improvement. Are they increasing their improvement? Are they getting better faster than the typical player? Every single player should probably be getting better 
every year, every season, every month, even with just mediocre coaching, because just the reps, the practice, just getting out there and learning the game will increase a little bit, at least their skill level and their ability to play baseball. So almost all players will continue to see a growth, even if they're not getting one-on-one professional grade instruction. What you're looking for are those players that go to a certain coach or coaches that get huge increases or large increases or big increases across the board. And you're not necessarily going with the resume, the ex-major league player or the local high school Hall of Fame coach. And I've seen all these. I've seen ex-major league coaches. I've watched firsthand give lessons. I've seen local Hall of Fame high school coaches give lessons, and I've seen college coaches give lessons, and I've seen backyard, back park area coaches that are young, fresh out of NAIA or Division Three college or junior college giving lessons that are more productive, that are more enjoyable and a lot better at the end of the day than the others. So try to get group lessons or partnered lessons or groups of four, get those lessons going to get more one-on-one coaching than you would at a team practice, but it spreads it out. It's a lot more economical. Also selecting your coach, selecting the lesson, the coach that's giving these lessons. Look around at the results that that coach is getting. Look around at the results. Look around at the results in terms of the improvement of each player. And if you don't know, you can ask around and say, hey, have they gotten a lot better? Have there, has there been, what are the numbers saying? Is their ERA a lot better? Are they walking a lot fewer players? Are they hitting more doubles? Are they striking out less? Be sure to ask for objective information, which is is more attainable now, more accessible now. Ask for some objective instead of, oh yeah, they're doing great, they're doing better. Hey, are they walking fewer players? Are they hitting more doubles? Are they striking out less? Are they stealing more base? Whatever it is you're trying to get better at. Are they blocking? I mean, it's hard to assess like catching and infield as much, but are they making fewer errors? Yeah, they made six errors this year versus whatever. Now, you don't even probably know like how many attempts they had, how many ground balls they had come to them, et cetera. But at least it'll give you a little bit better picture and help paint a more clear picture of the increased improvement of players. Next week, we will talk about how to take a one hour lesson or even a 30 minute lesson and make it feel longer? Or should I say, take that 30 minute lesson and keep it from being a 20 minute lesson. I'm gonna share exactly what I'm talking about next week, how to maximize that time out there. That can be expensive, That those minutes can be expensive, especially with a really high quality coach or somebody's charging a lot or maybe you don't have a lot of options in your area. Again, try to do a group or a partner lesson, that can help, but if you can or, or, or you want that one-on-one lesson, I have a tip next week that can literally yield about 20% more instruction time just by simply doing this and we'll get into that next week. Also this summer we have some great interviews lined up for this summer, some really great interviews lined up for this summer with successful coaches and as always we will keep those interviews centered around sharing actionable tips and actionable strategies to all of you great youth baseball coaches. So I'm going to bring on some very successful coaches, some great coaches that I can vouch for. And then we're going to take these interviews and center them around sharing actionable tips and strategies to all of you great youth baseball coaches. Until next week, take care of yourself, take care of your health, take care of your family, take care of your close inner circle of friends. Take this information, take it out to the field. If you listen to the outro on this episode, on all the episodes, it's take it to the field, take it to the field, put it into action. And now you're gonna go out there with more confidence, with more knowledge and more confidence when you walk out there knowing what you learned here today. Love having you all here, love being here with you. Can't wait to be here next week, next Tuesday when the next episode comes out. And until then, 
Adios. This has been the 8020 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field. 